0: Hello, welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast for The Lancet where we talk to leading researchers from around the world about their latest exciting research published in the journal. I'm Gavin Cleaver. Today, December 2nd, 2020, sees the annual publication of The Lancet Countdown on Health and Climate. Our fifth annual report tracks over 40 indicators on links between health and climate change. I'm joined today by Rene Salas, who is the leader of the Countdown Policy Brief in the United States, to discuss. Renee, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Right, so, I mean, let's get straight into it. What does meaningful political action on climate change in the US actually look like going forward?
1: It's a great question. And I think as as you and I were discussing sort of in advance of recording, that 2020 has truly been a year unlike any other in modern times. I mean, the US has faced not only the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, but also a long overdue national conversation about systemic racism, um, economic hardship as fallout of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and of course the growing threat of climate change. But I think you know the the key thing to realize, and something I really hope that this twenty twenty report stresses, is that climate change, health equity, and economic objectives are not only mutually reinforcing, but they're actually mutually dependent. And so the pandemic is catalyzing sweeping action. And a healthy recovery that builds back better has to tackle all of these issues in unison. So, I mean, I'm an emergency medicine physician as well. And so when I'm in uh, the clinical situation, I can't take just one health problem and place it in isolation when treating a patient because one insult on the body creates new problems and worsens old ones, just like climate change. So we have to take an integrated approach when tackling these problems and get rid of this you know, move past this false narrative that says you either have to have health or a robust economy, we can have both. So I think at a really high level, the most meaningful action politically moving forward on climate is recognizing that all of these issues are intertwined and we have to tackle them holistically. Um, And we can do that really by adding and sort of aligning a lens for each issue and choosing solutions uh, that has sweeping uh, benefits across all of them.
0: Yes, health versus the economy has been a kind of surprising dichotomy in 2020, hasn't it?
1: It has, and it's it's uh, it's it's a false narrative, um, and it's something that we have to recognise. Is it true? Uh, I mean, if we can put a man on the moon, we can tackle both of these problems together, uh, and I have complete faith that that we can do that, and the evidence supports that.
0: So we're, we're talking. Uh, just as it seems like the formal transition between the Trump and Biden government is is getting going. So looking forward to the Biden administration, what what are the kind of immediate, like the first hundred day priorities for the new administration? And as well, if we could talk a little bit about the last four years, how reversible are some of the problems that have occurred over the last four years?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, at the level of the federal government, you know, unfortunately, as the world has witnessed, uh, the U.S. has seen many steps backwards um, on climate action however I would also argue though that it 's galvanized really a grassroots movement as people have realized that the creation of a sustainable healthy and just world isn 't going to happen on autopilot and so we have to advocate uh, for the critical things that need to be done and you know the past four years have caused some irreversible harms disease and illness um, that can 't be undone but we really have this Unprecedented opportunity to start fresh and really rise from the ashes of this current moment uh, and create a new, healthier path forward. So, you know, climate change honestly was at the forefront of the presidential election in a way that I just, you know, haven't witnessed before during my lifetime. And just yesterday, uh, President elect Biden uh, named a climate envoy or czar with the Honorable John Kerry. Uh, who was critical in the Paris Agreement, and he's named climate change as one of his top four priorities. So, you know, sort of referencing back to to my initial discussion, I mean, there are many ways in which we can take an integrated and holistic approach to tackle the most pressing issues in the U.S. Um, But, you know, there are really a few kind of low hanging fruit things that can be done, like Putting uh, clean energy and zero carbon infrastructure into COVID legislation, you know, reversing the rollback of the over 100, you know, public health and environmental rules um, that were reversed under the Trump administration, getting the U.S. back into the Paris agreement and work towards global cooperation, uh, which is essential for us to tackle this issue. Uh, And, you know, that's just the beginning, right? There is so much more. But putting health as the driver um, for all of these uh, sweeping uh, action and the reason that we are uh, achieving and striving towards uh, climate action is critical.
0: So this year's Climate Countdown 2020, uh, you're the U.S. lead, of course. So what insights can we get from kind of this year's countdown about a direction of travel for climate in the
1: U.S.? You know, the... 2020 U.S. Brief um, is truly a collaborative effort, and so there were over 70 um, institutions, organizations, and centers that uh, help support uh, the U.S. Brief. And I hope that it truly can represent the breadth and depth of climate and health expertise in the U.S. So, and the research that we present here uh, really highlights that you know research and science are really just rigorous, proven ways for us to quantify what is going around us. Um And thus, it really shines a light in these often hidden corners to see what 's happening to our communities, to our families, and to ourselves. There are kind of three key things I think that the the u s brief highlights in regards to the harms that, that climate change is causing you know and the first is that the global report you know really reveals that the indicators are worsening. And it's the most worrying outlook um, that has happened since the start of the Lancet countdown. And unfortunately, the U.S., also shows that our indicators are worsening as well. We are not immune. And these health harms have widespread impacts, like harming older persons or those over the age of 65, and harming our economy and worker productivity. In addition, we also highlight that climate change and fossil fuels have the same root cause, and thus we can have near-term benefits with climate action that can benefit us now, in addition to creating a healthier path forward. And these health harms are not born equally uh, because certain vulnerable groups are suffering more. So just to kind of you know dive a little bit more into some of that evidence, I mean, the first one I mentioned about that the health harms are worsening, You know, we see that for heat, wildfires, and Vibrio. Uh, so in the past two decades, heat-related mortality for older persons has almost doubled and actually reached a record high 19,000 deaths in 2018. But as I mentioned, right back to that theme about the fact that health and the economy are intertwined and you have to have health in order to have a healthy economy. You know, we saw that over 2 billion potential worker hours were lost uh, in 2019. Um, and that actually has an estimated $45 billion worth of potential losses um, across four different sectors. So that's service, manufacturing, agriculture, and construction um, for 2015. So this was, you know, even kind of uh, five years ago. You know, in regards to the, the fossil fuels um, being the, the critical root cause for both climate change and air pollution, over 68,000 deaths happened in 2018 with agriculture and transportation as the two largest sectors. And we also, you know, sort of highlight in that third point about health harms not being born equally, that systemic racism has led to changes in the way where cities are built and and where people live and how heat is experienced. So Blacks, for example, live in areas that are hotter and thus suffer more of the health harms uh, from heat exposure. So again, this just, you know, highlights that all of these things are intertwined and we have to think about them all together.
0: Delving, I guess, a little bit more into the US, what are currently, as you, you've you've laid out some of the impacts there, what are some of the ones that concern you the most, uh, the impacts of climate change in the US? Of course, we saw the wildfires earlier this year, well, it seems like a very long time ago now.
1: Yeah, I mean, the wildfires unfortunately have been, uh, I mean, an unprecedented uh, catastrophe and we just keep seeing worse and worse headlines uh, every year. And that is one of the sort of geographically localized exposures, right, that the U.S. faces because uh, we are a very diverse uh, country. And so the ways in which people experience climate change really are different depending on where you live. One of the things that keeps me up at night Is the recognition that climate change is a meta problem, which just means that it really underlies other major systemic problems, and is a threat multiplier, meaning that it makes existing problems worse. So the data in this report here honestly just scratches the surface of the countless ways that climate change harms health. I recognize the irony of this analogy, but I often describe our current understanding as an iceberg. So meaning that we see what's above the surface of the water, but what I'm most concerned about is sort of that largest mass that's underneath. And so we have to move forward on a path where we can systematically and comprehensively understand how health is being harmed in the U.S., how these harms are being borne disproportionately by certain groups, and how our healthcare systems are being disrupted by climate change. So there's one of the facts that was listed in the brief that shows that there was nearly an eight fold increase in research publications on climate change and health by U.S. authors between 2007 and 2019. So we can't fix what we don't understand. Uh, and I think this really provides a uh, launching pad for us to move to the next level, to really begin to systematically and comprehensively understand these things, because what I'm most concerned about is the stuff that we haven't quantified yet.
0: Disproportional effects on Deloitte, obviously, a lot of public health, a lot of global health. Tell us a little bit about um, how disproportionality embodies itself in, in climate change.
1: Yeah, so I mean the reality is is that the people who contribute the least uh suffer the most. Um and so we highlight uh that Really core concepts um, to understanding what climate change truly means, not only around the world but especially in the U.S. So you know we've we've seen that with the COVID nineteen pandemic too, because the rates of infection in Blacks, Latinos, American Indian, and Alaskan Natives um, were more than two and a half times that of white non Latino uh, people. Um, but then again, you know, as I as I mentioned, right, these this disproportionate impact of the pandemic, you know also has the same underlying systemic issues that climate change does. And that's recognizing, again, as I mentioned, that you know heat exposure um, is higher in areas that had uh, redlining, which was a historic and discriminatory practice um, that uh, occurred in the past in the U.S., but we are still seeing the impacts on health from redlining today. Uh, and so, areas that were previously redlined have higher rates of asthma and preterm births. Um, and again, these these areas of the city have higher temperatures. So they're actually, you know, what we call sort of these urban heat islands, meaning that more man-made structures actually leads to higher temperatures. So I think all of this, you know, recognizes that we have to have a, a joint understanding of moving forward in a way that is equitable and just. And we cannot achieve that uh, without climate action uh, because climate action is essential for us to resolve some of these critical issues and to really put health and equity uh, center.
0: And now one of the themes underlying our conversation, of course, and and, uh, dominating 2020 has been the the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's interesting you've mentioned some of the ways in which actually the the effects between the two uh, are similar. But looking a bit more at the US response to COVID-19, are there any lessons that the US can learn from its response to COVID 19 that can be applied to, it, to, to climate change?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I think one that uh, all of us who work at the Nexus of Climate and Health have thought very deeply about. You know, for me, it's, it's a recognition that health has been placed as a central driver in our society in a really unprecedented way in, in modern times. I mean, just like the Lancet Countdown places health central to climate action, I think there's this really widespread recognition that that health um, is a, a driver, and if I would argue, kind of the central driver um, to our society, as we've really seen that interplay and the fallout, uh, especially here in the U.S., we're really watching the worst case scenario play out in the U.S. Just looked at statistics uh, this morning, sort of part of my my morning routine, and. And we had over 12 million cases um, as of this morning and nearly a quarter of a million deaths. And so when we do not respond to a health crisis in a way that that recognizes the gravity of it, and when our responses are delayed, ineffective, inequitable, or, or honestly altogether absent, then people get sick and die and our healthcare systems break under the stress. So we have seen this on a really accelerated pathway for the COVID-19 pandemic, Um, but we have been seeing it play out, um, although slower and and sometimes more insidiously uh, with the climate crisis. I mean, I see it in my emergency department. And so there's kind of three key things or parallels, I think, that are important um, as we use this um, as a a moment to say we will never allow this to happen again. Um, And that's saying, you know, first and foremost, that health professionals have to use their voices as trusted sources. I mean, doctors and other health professionals, nurses have been really trying to, to give the public the critical messages about how they can prevent the transmission of COVID-19 and what the importance of uh, social distancing and, and washing and just the basic uh, mechanisms that are critical in order for us to contain this pandemic. But health professionals can also be that critical trusted voice for climate change. And the evidence shows that um, that they are trusted messengers to deliver this message, even to people who are skeptical about climate change itself. The second big issue is that prevention has to be prioritized. I mean, when a patient comes in to my emergency department with COVID-19, I mean, I can give them supportive care and we've developed some therapies that that seem to be effective. Uh, but, you know, the, the horse is already out of the barn, if you if you would like to say. And same with climate change. When people come in with climate-related uh, conditions, you know, I'm often feeling like I'm putting a bandaid on a bullet wound, and then I send them back out uh, to the very environment that caused that insult initially. So we have to prioritize prevention. And the third point is that we really have to have a rapid and coordinated global response. I mean, the virus and greenhouse gases both do not respect country borders, and so mismanagement of the virus or greenhouse gases in one country has stark ramifications for people around the world. And there are certain challenges that are really larger than one person or one country, and the pandemic and climate change are really the epitome of that. And so the only way that we are going to be able to solve these challenges are by solving them together. And that, I think, is what brings me the most optimism. Uh, this 2020 Lancet Countdown US Brief you know, brought together an unprecedented number of, of experts at the nexus of climate and health to uh, create uh, this information and the case studies that, that really try to highlight the uh, important issues around climate and health in the US today. Uh, but that is just a microcosm of the larger um, unity and collaboration uh, that is happening and will continue to happen at an accelerated pace because now is the moment for us to tackle this.
0: Well, Renee, I hope you and I can speak next year and, and talk in very different circumstances about all the exciting work that's gone on over the last year with the new administration. Thank you so much for speaking with me today.